With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Rams Up, your weekly L.A. Rams podcast, bi-weekly during the season. We are a proud member of the Pigskin Podcast Network. We'll cover other SoCal sports items of interest, but we're mostly about your Los Angeles Rams. I'm your host, Mark. Let's get to it. Welcome back, Ram fans. This is episode eight of season two, the second of our three NFC West episodes. On Monday, we dropped our interview with Jess Root of the Cards Wire website and co-host of the Rise Up Sea Red podcast, talking all Cardinals football. This episode, we have Brandon Schultz, the host of the Seahawkers podcast and the Field Goals podcast, to discuss what's going on with the Seattle Seahawks and tomorrow. Another drop, that will be our interview with John Chapman of the 49ers Rush podcast. I think you'll enjoy all three of them. And a shout out to Jess, Brandon, and John for taking the time out to discuss what's going on with our rivals. It's much appreciated. Another programming note, we're going to start focusing on the NFL draft over the next few weeks, and that will culminate with a draft roundtable. We'll drop that a few days before the draft. I'm going to have Paul Wallia and Tom Kortz two of our regular superfan guests on board to discuss the NFL draft and specifically what the Rams might be doing with their picks. That should be a lot of fun. Seattle Seahawks discussion with Brandon Schultz coming up next. 
Two titles are up for grabs on the stacked UFC 273 fight card. Join the action with DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TPPN. Throw down $5 on UFC 273 and get $100 in free bets no matter what. That's code TPPN this Saturday at DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of UFC. 21 plus restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Greetings, Ram fans. I have Tom Quartz. You can find him on Twitter at RamsBeat. He's back with us. How are you doing, Tom? Hey, great. Great to be back. Another one of our interviews with a NFC rival we have with us today, Brandon Schultz. He's host of the Seahawkers podcast and the Field Goals podcast. He's on Twitter at, at SeahawkersPod. Welcome, Brandon. How are you doing? Hey, thanks, guys, for having me. Yeah, so we're going to... We're trying to get the lowdown on our division rivals, Cardinals, 49ers, and Seahawks. So that's why we have you here today. Uh, share with our audience what's going on with the Seahawks this offseason. I know there's a lot going on uh, in Seattle, especially at the quarterback position, and, and that's where we'll start. Russell Wilson is gone. That's got to be a big shock to the system for Seahawk Nation, a guy that's been the face of that franchise for so many years. You have Drew Locke on board part of that trade and i i guess rams fans probably want to know if, if you have from your perspective are they looking at signing another quarterback trading for a baker mayfield or do you think they're looking at quarterbacks in the draft uh is drew lock just a placeholder where's where do the seahawks go from here at the quarterback position that's a really good question that I wish I knew the answer to, but I, I we do have a few clues. And, you know, it's interesting that you characterize it as having a lot going on at the position because it feels like there's not a lot going on, but maybe a lot of activity uh, around quarterback where usually that's not the case in Seattle with Russell Wilson being uh, in town since 2012. And, yeah, it's uh, it's weird to be thinking about going into a season with a quarterback other than Russell Wilson, just because, gosh, you think of all the fans that have come on board in the Super Bowl in in this iteration of the of the Seahawks. You know, the, a lot of fans they don't know any other quarterback for their team than Russell Wilson. So you you know, especially when you consider ten years. I mean, all my kids have grown up knowing Russell Wilson as their quarterback, and yeah, it's it's going to be weird. So there was one thing though, because yes, as a Seahawks fan. Not real excited about the idea of Drew Locke being the quarterback going into week one, especially if you're thinking about competing in 2022, which I know Pete Carroll is. And you no, know, the other option is Geno Smith, who hasn't signed yet, but he's been Russell Wilson's backup for the last few years. And Pete Carroll and John Schneider, the general manager for the Seahawks, they've been talking a lot about bringing on Geno Smith and, and bringing him back. So again, not an exciting option. There's a few quarterbacks in this draft. I know we see mock drafts with guys like Malik Willis going to the Seahawks at the number nine spot. Uh, Matt Corral, another one of those quarterbacks, which 
I, I just don't see either of them being a year one option for Seattle. And why not build a, uh, a foundation, you know, either on the offensive line, defensive line, especially when you have a top 10 pick. I, I would prefer that they start there. So what does that mean of what's left for quarterback? You mentioned Baker Mayfield. Uh, I'm an Oklahoma uh, college grad, so I I'm familiar with Baker. I I actually I kind of I've I I tell people that of all the options because we've heard so many options with the Seahawks at quarterback. Everybody has their idea of what they should do. Oh oh, we should go out and trade for Matt Ryan, and this was before he went to the Colts. Or oh, you know, we should go out and get Watson, and before he went to the Browns. Um, these are all bad options to me. Baker Mayfield, I recognize is not a great option either, but he's the best of the options that are left. And I think that if you bring him on, he's ultimately a top six quarterback in the NFC with all of the quarterback movement that we've seen a lot of the talent going to the AFC. I I think that that would make him a top six quarterback in the NFC. And I, it would, I think make the team competitive next year. Yeah, and I think he was playing hurt at the end of last year oh, as yeah. well. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, if they uh, uh, if they moved, if they were to find a way to bring him on board, I think that would be a step up from what they have right now. That's for sure. And the way the Browns are screwing this up, I mean, they had an opportunity to probably get higher draft picks, and now it seems like really the Seahawks are one of the only teams left for Baker to go to and have a legitimate starting opportunity based on the teams that have said no to him, and. It's it's almost seems like, gosh, if we're talking about giving up a fifth round, sixth round pick for Baker Mayfield, I've even seen people suggesting that it would take a Brock Osweiler type deal where the Browns are having to give up picks to unload him just so they don't have to cut him and he goes immediately to the Steelers. Um, yeah, it, it seems like the Seahawks are in a good position now for Baker. Yeah, and I, and I, I, know, I don't see Pete Carroll as a rebuild type of guy. He He's going to try to find a way to win this year. Yeah. I I do think that. And that's, you know, he's even in the Russell Wilson press conference, you know, he came out and said, I want to win right freaking now. And, uh, you know, that's, that's Pete Carroll. Yeah. So looking at the the rest of the, uh, the roster and, you know, just jump through these position groups, um, kind of one by one, uh, and dig into what's changed and where you think they stand there, um, what they may fortify in the draft. And just to summarize the Seahawks draft, uh, looks like they have eight draft picks, a first, two seconds, a third, a fourth, two fifths, and a seventh. Um, so let's start on the offensive side, uh, which appears to be the the, uh, the weaker side of the ball by a long shot. The, the, uh, the defense looks pretty strong. But um, so we cover QB. So let's start at running back. So it looks like there's uh, Chris Carson and Rashad Penny are sort of the, the two uh, big dogs there. And if it were, if we were talking about two healthy running backs, I'd be a lot more excited about Penny and Carson because Carson has been kind of that, that thumper, that physical guy, but he's coming off of a neck injury where there's, you know, strong thoughts about the idea that he could be retiring, you know, similar to the types of injuries that Cliff Averill sustained before he retired. Cam Chancellor had a kind of neck injury. And so he, he may not be there once the season starts, which leaves Rashad Penny who had been injured just throughout his entire rookie contract up until the last five or six games of last season. But then he went on to be the best back in the league over those last five or six games. And man, that makes it tough as a fan of 
you you want to root for the guy obviously but he hasn't shown you anything up until these last few weeks and man to count on that going into the next season that's that's what has me really skeptical about this running back group because with Carson's injuries with Penny being chronically injured throughout his career I I would like to see more depth at that spot and especially if you can get a guy who can be that physical type of running back that you had with Marshawn Lynch, you're never going to find a guy exactly like him. But if you can find a guy similar to him, which, you know, Carson, in terms of his physicality, he could he could be like that. Um, Penny's not that guy. I You see him try here and there, but I um, I just I don't quite see it. Maybe he can maybe he can shift to be that guy. I just I don't have a lot of confidence. Well, yeah, that's a great top end running back to have. And uh, like you say, maybe uh, that position's been so devalued in the last several years that maybe there's some, uh, there's probably going to be some good draft picks there. To, and if Penny can stay healthy, he looked as good as any running back, like you said, in the, the second half of the, the last part of the last season. So, yeah, I, um, I actually heard a couple of comparisons, a couple of folks comparing him to Derrick Henry over those last five games. I kept on popping up for some reason. But yeah, real, real physical, very productive over, the, over those last few games. Yeah, moving on to wide receiver. So obviously, uh, two studs in Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf. You have uh, Dwayne Eskridge in there. Um, sort of the the questions from uh, you know outside looking in uh, are: do, do the Seahawks uh, keep DK, build off of him, pay him, you know, whatever he's going to get next year, twenty five million or or whatever he'll demand given this crazy wide receiver market, uh, or do they trade him now and get a bunch of draft picks like, uh, uh, you know, like the uh, Chiefs did and um, and the Packers did and the like? Yeah, it's interesting when you see big deals like that for Adams and Hill. And, you know, they're at a different place in their career even than DK is because he hasn't yet got his first contract. And I don't know, there there's a weird kind of... Uh, there's a narrative out there about DK that I, I feel like based on some of what's been seen on TV, that he's this diva wide receiver. Everybody tries to put this label on him that, of a diva wide receiver or, or this emotional um, kind of, uh, you know, Antonio Brown, Odell Beckham Jr. type guy. You know, you know, the reputation that Beckham had before he came to the Rams. Yeah. I was going to say that uh, he might be a Beckham might've been the best thing that ever happened to Metcalf because <laughs> You know, he he was a he was a model citizen in Los Angeles, beloved in the you know in the by the fan base and in the locker room and uh, and uh, if he's being compared to Odell Beckham, that's probably a good thing for Metcalf. Well, and I feel like he is kind of a in terms of how he is in the locker room from all accounts and um, you know just you hear him in the press conferences and he's you know super respectful guy. So I, I don't quite know where that negative reputation of him comes from. And I think that he would be one of the guys that I would want to keep around in the locker room. And gosh, you hear Pete Carroll saying, well, we don't intend to trade DK, which is the exact same wording that he used. He said, we don't intend to trade Russell Wilson either. But then he also, in that same answer, he said, I can't imagine playing next season without DK. So I think going into this last season, I think they're going to try and get a deal done this off season that they generally make their deals for, you know, their young, talented players. 
um, before the season starts going into their final year of their rookie contract. And and that's where they're at with DK. And I think, I think he would be a good guy with Tyler Lockett. They've always had a really good culture in their wide receiver room, starting ever since they brought in Sidney Rice from the Vikings. And that has kind of been something that I think has been, they, they've tr- been trying to build that intentionally. And I think, you know, why would you give up the draft picks that, I mean, unless you're talking about number 10 from the Jets and another second round pick, um, I just, I have a hard time trading with the Jets because then you're getting back your picks that you gave up for Jamal Adams. And then it just, I don't know, it just, uh, I don't like it. Um, I've always, I've, I've always loved Tyler Lockett. He's, uh, if I have a favorite Seahawk, it would probably be Lockett. He's, yeah. uh, he has a reputation over the years. He, I don't know how many times he has burned the Rams, uh, <laughs> the Rams protecting a lead. Don't give up the deep ball. And then there's Russell Wilson finding Tyler Lockett for 50 yards. And it just drives us crazy. Yeah. He's just one of those guys that always finds a way to get open. He's not, you know, obviously he's lost a step over the years, but still is able to, you know, kind of like Doug Baldwin in a way just to shake guys loose and, and get open. And yeah, you don't want to give a guy like that up. DK, I think still has a lot of potential. He played the entire last season with a foot injury that you know, was uh, nearly was on the verge of a fracture. And so the toughness that he showed, I think, even just to get through last year was pretty big and had a a great season before. He's been one of the most productive wide receivers in his first three years in terms of touchdown catches. And for if you're going to build with a young quarterback or even, you know, if if you're talking about a guy like Baker, I I would think you'd want to keep those weapons, you know, not to mention the the young guys like um, D. Eskridge and then Freddie Swain. I, I think it's pretty good group in terms of all of the positions on the Seahawks offense wide receiver is by far now the best. Yeah. And uh, probably uh, second is uh, tight end. I mean, yeah. it's not, uh, not too far behind with Noah font and Will Disley in there. Um, so those, that, that seems to be pretty well set. Uh, if you move on to the, uh, the line there, things get a little bit more shifty uh, with uh, the offensive tackle position. Uh, right now, because yeah, we don't have any, we don't have it any. Appears, I was going to say it appears I was, I was, I was searching for a couple, and the best I could come up with is Steve Forsythe at left tackle and yeah. Jake Karen at right tackle, uh, and uh, that. See, you don't not, even know their names yet. Stone Forsythe and Jake Curran. Yeah. Oh, there, uh, yeah, there you go. See, there you go. I can't even pronounce their names. Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, so uh, I know the you know. Do, do you bring back? just as a stopgap, like Dwayne Brown or Brandon Shell for one year, or, or do you think, look to draft somebody like Trevor Penning early on to plug in? I think you do look toward bringing, uh, bringing back Dwayne Brown and, and, and yeah, maybe even Brandon Shell. Some of the guys that I liked at right tackle, not there anymore. Uh, they did bring in some guys for visits and uh, just didn't work out. So, I think in terms of tackle, and really with the number nine pick, I don't even know if there is anybody at tackle that I really love. So unless you're talking about trading back, acquiring more picks, um, I just I think that that spot you're the the way the draft is kind of shaken out for that top ten at least you know as much as you can tell from mock drafts and people scouting and uh, you know I'm not uh, I, I'm more of a guy who looks at the players after they're drafted. But just the way things seem to me is that cornerback and defensive end are probably going to be the best options there at nine. Um, 
and yeah, we haven't even talked defense yet. So I think that, uh, yeah, you're, you're looking at bringing back those guys. Otherwise stone Forsyth, Yeah. Sixth round pick last year. Didn't really see a whole lot of playing time. Curran was undrafted and he actually, I, I, he had some decent success. Like he was good. He's not the guy, I mean, going into this year, I was saying, go out and find somebody in free agency. I don't want him being the, the guy that you have already penciled in at, at starter, but if he can compete and win over that spot, then great. And, and probably competing with Brandon shell would be the best option for him. Inside uh, the interior line seems to be a little bit more set with, um, uh, with our old pal, Austin Blythe at center uh, and um, Damian Lewis and Gabe Jackson. Is that where you're, is that what you're looking at? It's what we're looking at. Um, Gabe Jackson. I'm, I'm just not sure if the team is, is sold on him staying on the team um you know they talked about him being in competition with another player that they here had signed back to the team and i think damian lewis with him playing at left guard they might be more interested in moving him back to right guard where he started off as a rookie and had more success i i don't think he did as well on the left side so they may be looking to move him back to right guard austin blythe yeah gosh i uh I'm not super excited about him. I don't know what your guys' thoughts are on him. I, I think what he had one good year at center um, and, and moved to center from guard. I just, it's, it was kind of a weird deal because he played at veteran minimum last year in Kansas City, obviously behind, uh, you know, one of the best rookie centers in the league last year. So didn't have a lot of opportunities, but then they decided to pay him $4 million to come play in Seattle. And I thought that was a lot too. Yeah. That, that seems like a lot. Seems like a lot, especially when Ethan Posick, who was okay last year, you know, he wasn't anything great, but he went and signed with the Browns for a million. So why would you, why is Austin Blythe four million or, you know, four times better than, than what you had last year? Yeah. They it, it must, seemed, they, yeah. They must've saw something on tape from those Seahawk Ram games, perhaps that, uh, that they loved about him, but well, he's, he he's versatile too. He can play yeah. guard and center. So that's good. And they do like versatility. And, you know, Andy Dickerson is the uh, is our offensive line coach now. Um, and, you know, he was a Rams coach, came over with Shane Waldron uh, when they hired him as offensive coordinator. So there's some there's familiarity there. But I just yeah, it, it seems like. And then you hear Pete Carroll talking about how they're loaded at the center spot. And so around this time of year with the draft coming up, when I hear the word loaded in terms of the, the amount of centers that they have on the team, and we're talking about Austin Blythe and then uh, you know other guys that were competing for the center spot but weren't all that great, I, I think that they must have a guy in mind at center in the draft that they're looking for. <laughs> yeah, they're throwing a head fake. I, yeah. I feel like that that has to be it. Why else would you say <laughs> that you're center, that you're loaded at center? Yeah. Yeah. So moving on to the defensive side of the ball seems to be a, a, a lot stronger. Um, obviously some big losses there, but, but also, uh, you know, if you go, you look at the positions, it seems like there's um, not that many holes uh, starting at defensive tackle. Uh, you got uh, Woods, Jefferson, um, a few other bodies, Monet, Ford, Adams. Uh, wh- who do you like there? And, and do you see him doing anything on that uh, up front? Yeah, plus uh, we got uh, the tackle in the trade with with the Broncos. Um, so I do feel like the defensive interior is is relatively settled. Daryl Taylor on the edge. Uh, there's a there's a lot of talk about the Seahawks defense shifting to more of a three four style defense than a four three, and they've always kind of played with that 
loosely, um, you know, switching up between just how, how they structure their defense. But um, yeah, I think the defensive line now, I think I would really like to see them go pass rusher at number nine and really try and, and build that because gosh, since Michael Bennett and Cliff Averill left, I, I haven't really felt like they've had a really strong pass rush. I think Jamal and, Adams has, has led them in blitz and uh, sacks, hasn't he? Well, nine and a half sacks uh, the previous year, not last year. And last year, he didn't have any. But oh, really? I, yeah, yeah. I, I think that, you know, teams are on to him. And they never they didn't really have anybody that they, they had to really pay attention to. Dunlap, um, and then and they just cut Carlos Dunlap. But Daryl Taylor, you know, one of the, the young players that uh, really had his first, you'd call it his rookie season last year just because he was injured as in his entire first season. But uh, I know there, there's some excitement around Taylor and yeah, I think they just need to find another young guy to, to pair up with him on the defensive front there. How do you, how do you feel about Alton Robinson? It looked like he played pretty well when he got his opportunities. He kind of came on the field and things started, good things started to happen. He did. I, I see him as a guy who is, you know, can really set the edge in the run game. I, I just I feel like he didn't get a ton of opportunities last year where in the year previous he showed a lot more. So I'm it'll be interesting with this this change up front, how they decide to use some of these uh these defensive players, LJ Collier, another first round pick that, you know, there's some frustration around what we saw from him last year too. So just a it seems like there's a lot of Kind of mediocre talent. I, I wouldn't say that so much about you know Al Woods, Puna Ford in the center, uh, in the center of the defensive line. But you know some of the other guys in the rotation. Just there's nobody that has really stepped up, um, and that's and that's put a lot of pressure on the defensive backs. And I think why they've really struggled, especially getting out of the gates the last two seasons. Gotcha. And so moving on to linebacker. Uh, looks like it's, the, I, don't, I don't want to talk about linebacker with you guys. Let's the, move on to the next one. Oh yeah. Right. Well, yeah. With the loss. Yeah. We don't have to go into, yeah, I really liked it. I really liked Jordan Brooks coming out of college. Uh, yeah. yeah. He, he's done okay. Hasn't he? Yeah. And there was questions around whether or not he would live up to that first round pick. Um, especially Patrick queen still on the board. I know when they made that selection and a lot of, uh, you know, NFL analysts couldn't believe that, uh, that he would go ahead of Patrick Queen. But Jordan Brooks, yeah, last year, I think he was top five in tackles along with Bobby Wagner. And so that I'm sure that's probably what led to them being more comfortable from moving on from Bobby. Cody Barton's another guy that, you know, he was a, a third-round pick a few years back, and he's kind of been stuck behind Bobby and and Jordan Brooks. And Will, will they, Brooks be wearing the dot, you think? Is he the I the don't know. Caller? I don't know. I don't know if if they would give it to him or with re-signing Quandre if they would move it back to safety because obviously Weddle uh, he wore the dot when uh, in the playoffs for you guys so I could considering he would be I think the most likely guy to wear the C on his jersey for the defense I could I could maybe see him taking over the the uh, those kind of duties on defense too calling the defenses so you might peg the linebacker spot as a something that they target in the draft i do i think that that's a that's a spot that, that well they always tend to target guys and one of the interesting things is if you look for linebackers who are in the low fours in terms of their short shuttle at pro days and combines they've drafted most like a, a significant portion probably a third of the guys who have come in with those times 
the Seahawks have either drafted or ultimately signed about a third of those guys with those really low short shuttle times at linebacker. So just kind of an, an interesting uh, tidbit of information that that they seemingly look for each and every year. Is that is that a statistic that you observed yourself, or is that is that common knowledge? Uh, it's it's one Rob Staten of SeahawksDraftBlog.com. He he really dials into the draft, uh-huh. and so I talk to him every year around this time. I have a show coming up with him here this week, and and so in terms of athleticism uh, of offensive linemen, I, when you have guys like Pete Carroll and John Schneider for ten years plus you start to to notice some of the trends right. and and yeah so when you yeah. see when you go and you look back at oh uh here they have they picked all these guys or you know yeah you you really start to dial in on the trends and yeah, you know just with, like the prototypical uh cornerback right the, the Richard Sherman size corner that was right. something that they looked for initially you could almost yeah just throw out everybody with shorter than 32 inch arms and uh, and those guys weren't going to be Seahawks cornerbacks. And yeah, with the Rams, you start with the the Senior Bowl is a good place to start with yeah. the Rams. They they love guys that shine at the Senior Bowl. Absolutely, yeah. And actually, the the Seahawks have have taken a lot of Senior Bowl standouts too. And unfortunately, that hasn't I don't think worked out as well. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on to safety, obviously, you know, we got Adams and Diggs there. Uh, Marquise Blair seems like a, a great athlete, a lot of upside if he can stay healthy. Uh, uh, do you guys feel like you're pretty well set at that position? I do. I, I feel like at the safety spot, that's that's pretty well settled. Marquise Blair, yeah, a guy that they picked in the second round. You you, you go back to that, that draft where they got DK Metcalf at the end of the second round. It was Marquise Blair who was selected by the Seahawks ahead of him, along with LJ Collier in the first round. So those two guys, Collier hasn't really worked out. Uh, actually, that was uh, the Collier pick. Listening to John Schneider a few weeks ago, he said that they had wanted they had Noah Fant's name written down, and the Broncos got him with the, the pick ahead, and so that's what triggered the the move back to ultimately get uh, Collier at the end of the first round. But um, yeah, Marquise Blair. They generally don't take defensive backs in the first and second rounds. And so it's it's notable when they have, and Blair just in terms of injury, he just he hasn't worked out. But he's he's a guy who likes to play really physical, and that's uh, that's kind of bit him here these first couple of years. How do you feel about the cornerbacks, Burns, Jones, and and company? Yeah, Sidney Jones is probably the one I'm. Uh, well, Trey Brown's the one I'm most intrigued by. Uh, he had his rookie season last year, but then had a, he suffered a knee injury. But man, he he laid some big hits uh, when he went out there, and you know he got his opportunities because of injuries at the cornerback spot. Losing DJ Reed, it hurts. They're bringing back Justin Coleman, who uh, he had a really good season. They, they actually acquired him in a trade from the Patriots a few years back, and then played with the team. Played really well at nickel corner. It led to him getting paid by the Detroit Lions. But now he's coming back to the team. And he'll be the nickel corner again. So uh, I'm. It'll be good to see Justin Coleman back. I, I just I don't know how excited I am about him. Sidney Jones is the one guy who he showed uh, he showed us some things last year and uh, University of Washington product. And I I think that well, based on what DJ Reed got this season, 
um, I, I thought the value really was with the the Sidney Jones, the one year deal that they got for him. So I think though that if they're if one of those top two corners is uh, you know Gardner or Stingley happens to be there at number nine, I could I would be really interested in the Seahawks going that route. And yeah, I, I just looked at a yeah, I just looked at a mock this morning and uh, it was uh, Stingley for the Seahawks. Oh, okay, so very good chance. But mock drafts, you know how those go. Oh yeah, uh, they're they're fun, but Gen- after- generally, yeah, especially with the Seahawks, yeah. uh, it, we rarely see a mock draft that works out that uh, <laughs> where anybody nails the pick. Yeah, the Rams typically picking in the second or third round with their first pick these days. Right. All the tri- picks they've traded away, uh, I can usually nail down one or two positions that they're going to draft, but the individual never get it right. Oh yeah. When you're a hundred picks out, yeah, you yeah. really have no chance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So the odds makers right now projecting the Seahawks in the five to six win range. Um, don't They don't really see them as competing for a divisional title. Uh, how do you feel about that? You, you, do you think you have some hope for them actually competing maybe a wild card even for the divisional title. How Seahawk Nation feel about their prospects this year? As the roster stands right now, I'd say that's a, a fairly good prediction. But the one thing that we know about Pete Carroll and John Schneider, they're always looking to make moves. They're always looking to get better. And so you just can't rule out that idea of, yeah, could they go out and, gosh, you know, three weeks from now, if we're talking about them drafting a top, defensive pass rusher or top corner they get baker mayfield they they bring back their their tackles from last season if they can make all that happen then you're probably talking about a potential 10-win team and a a 10-win team in the nfc this year you're probably talking about a playoff team and there's just you know outside i feel like right now you can just pencil in the rams and the bucks for the nfc championship and because there's just there's not and maybe the Packers compete too, but I you know there's questions with them about who they're going to get at receiver to go with Aaron Rodgers, and he always seems to struggle in the playoffs too. So, in terms of competition in the NFC, yeah, if you can if you can be a ten win team, I think you can be competitive in the playoffs. Yeah, my take on the Seahawks is uh, I felt over the last two or three years that they were on the decline, uh, whether that's accurate or not, but. Uh, they always surprise me. Um, I you should never count the Seahawks out. Pete Carroll's ability to coach and ability to get guys to play for him, especially on the defensive side. I, I remember. Uh, I think the last two years their defense was very poor at the beginning of the year and just kept getting better and better and winning games that I didn't think they should win. So I, I think the culture there is the one thing they have on their side with Pete Carroll and whoever he's hiring to coach those guys up. So, um, you know, they're, they're never going to be a pushover. That's for sure. And you know that we're always going to beat the 49ers twice. So there's, <laughs> right. there's two wins right there. Two with wins with, in the bag. With or without uh, Russell Wilson. Hey, I wanted to ask you uh, two follow-ups. Um, first is, so in your personal opinion, uh, as, a, as a fan, would you rather see the Seahawks try and stay in contention and, you know, they say they're not rebuilding and, and, you know, kind of you know, keep Metcalf and, and, and kind of keep going forward or with the risk of the obvious risk of sort of being in that, you know, uh, 
mired in mediocrity, you know, which is the, you know, the death of a football team, right? That eight wins every year, six, seven, eight wins. Uh, or would you rather see, which some you know, Seahawks fans seem to be uh, uh, proponents of, is just tear it down, get draft picks and rebuild. We don't have a quarterback right now. Let's cash in Metcalf for what he's worth. Uh, and um, let's go back to the drawing board. I'm always of the opinion that it's better to win than lose. So I, I think I, in terms of trading DK, I guess he's your one chip that you have left, right, to really get those first round picks. I'd, I'd prefer to keep DK. So, uh, but if they can't get Baker this off season, I, I really think that that's in terms of quarterback options. Yeah. Maybe you draft a guy toward the middle rounds, you know, third, fourth, fifth rounds, and you see if he can come in and compete and, and maybe has some upside. Otherwise I'm fine with rolling with Drew Locke and, and getting our six wins next year and having a, a top draft pick and, and maybe looking at toward 2023 as a, a year to jump back into it. Yeah. For the, for the quarterback. And the last, you know, the other follow-up I wanted to ask you about is, uh, you know, talk a lot about culture, um, obviously with the Rams and excited about the culture that's being built. And, and uh, you look at some of the other teams, certainly Seattle's had a great culture over the years. Uh, how do you think uh, the culture has been impacted by the passing of the torch to Jody Allen? Hmm. You know, I, I don't know if, if that impacts it a whole lot. I don't feel like the culture was something that Paul Allen uh, had much of an impact on. So I don't know if, if Jody would necessarily either. I, I feel like the culture in Seattle is primarily due to Pete Carroll and how he operates so i think that that part of it will stay the same yeah i think paul, paul allen really stayed out of the limelight there although there is a story i'm not sure if you're aware of it he had a big part in the nfl owners opting for the Cronky plan in los angeles as opposed to the raider charger plan he uh he stood up and made a little speech and uh if i read the article if i remember the article correctly uh all the other owners were like, oh, Paul Allen is speaking. This mm. must be a, a very important topic to him. And he basically, the gist of the conversation was uh, that stadium in LA is the future of the NFL. We need to do it. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. that's, uh, I and I wouldn't see Jody, gosh, we don't even, I've never even heard her voice in a, in a media interview. So I don't even know what she sounds like. So, so I, sometimes I, those are the best owners. <laughs> that, yeah. I, you know, of, and that's what I tell people too, of some of the ownership options out there. I, I think I'd rather stick with, with what we have now than <laughs> some of the ownership groups that I've seen. Yeah. yeah the, more, the more meddling owners. So yeah. any, any last thoughts uh, as it relates to, uh, to the upcoming season, the NFC West and, uh, and beyond. Yeah, can Aaron Donald retire? I thought he promised he was going to retire after after winning the Super Bowl. He uh, seems to have his, happen. He seems to have some really good games against the Seahawks. That's for sure. Yeah, that's weird. You know. Yeah. But he doesn't have Russell to chase around anymore, except in the one game that uh, those two teams will face this year. Um, yeah, I maybe so maybe I don't have to. Well, I still have to fear him twice a year. So, yeah, I I was kind of. You know, before the Russell Wilson trade, I the, the one good thing that I could think about is that with those reports of Aaron Donald retiring, I thought, man, if he could retire, then Russ comes back and, um, yeah, there would be a little bit maybe easier 
uh, 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 road through the NFC West without Aaron Donald. But no, he's probably coming back. And uh, yeah, great. <laughs> and I got to go and I got to watch Bobby Wagner in a Rams uniform now. Oh that's yeah, true. that must be painful. That was that must that's similar to Isaac Bruce suiting up for the 49ers a couple of times against the Rams. I, I couldn't watch. It it hurt me more than the Russ news, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. Um it, before we sign off here, you want to share with our audience how they can find you, name your podcast, uh websites, anything else you want to share, oh. go for it. Yeah. Uh seahawkerspodcast.com. We also do uh kind of this similar uh, NFC West chat, uh, coming up in July. So I'll, I'll probably be looking for one of you guys come July to, to help, uh, kind of recap the off season for the Rams. And yeah, you can check us out. Seahawkerspodcast.com where Seahawkers podcast on YouTube. We do some live shows there. And then, uh, I also do the Seahawks show for field goals, which is part of the SB nation network and, uh, SB nation.com slash NFL podcasts to get my show or, or any of the other SB nation shows. Awesome. It was great having you. We really appreciate your time. And yeah, reach out to us if you want to chat Rams football. And we may do the same after the draft, maybe uh, before opening day of the 2022 season. Uh, see where the Seahawks are at and do this all over again. Looking forward to it. Thanks. Okay. Hey, thanks so much, Brandon. Thanks a lot, Brandon. That's going to do it for this episode. Remember, next up, John Chapman talks 49ers football with us. That's our next drop tomorrow. Remember, you can reach us at ramsuppodcast at gmail.com. You can visit our website at ramsup.com. You'll find links to all of our episodes, including platform links and our new YouTube channel, which right now is just another place to listen to our podcasts. Don't forget to subscribe and give us that five-star rating. It's really appreciated. And remember, keep the horns up, stay safe, and have fun out there. Music courtesy of bensound.com and the YouTube royalty-free music audio library, Crimson Fly by Hama Hama.